That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute. A 60 second by 60 second rewatch of Dawn of Justice. I'm, I'm, I would invite people to let us know on Twitter, uh, at BVS by the Minute, if my scripted introduction to this has become an agony or a warm welcome. I would hope it is the, the latter. I tend to enjoy the podcasts like I listen to. The, the introduction is kind of like, yeah, like I'm settling in. Yeah, very, I mean, it gets me in the, in the zone. So. Okay. Cool. Um, I was going to say in the mood, and that's not what I meant. No, uh, um, well, there it is. <laughs> It gets me in the mood to talk about BVS. Yep. You can send those texts to at SM Colbert. <laughs> Speaking of settling in, let's all pretend that we're Lois. Who's getting in the mood? We've just returned home. Yeah. A mood that I know a lot of the women who watch the movie and who listen to the podcast will enjoy. She's arrived home. She's set the tub running. Anyone who owns a tub like that knows that. She is going about this in the right order. <laughs> yeah, although it does bother me to know that it is filling in the other room. Oh, then these next ones are going to be <laughs> agony for you, Steve. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, that tub. It, how, you got to check the tub. Check the tub. So she has settled down onto the floor of their apartment unpacking, which is, I guess, symbolic in its own right. But that is where we begin. Minute 25. I really like their apartment a lot. And I, I yeah. kind of, every time I see this, it's got that beautiful um, sort of dolly pan across. Mm -hmm. And every time I see that, I'm like, I wish that I could rent that as like an Airbnb or something. With all, if furnished. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, the it, right? books, like I can smell the books, right? And then they've got, what, there's a bust. Do you know who the bust is over on the table? Like I said, I didn't pay super close I attention spent, to that. I spent so much time. I figured. It, it, is, <laughs> it is just far enough away and just nondescript enough. To argue, like I was looking up so truth. <laughs> no, I was looking up because I think it's a woman, and it would make okay. sense for Lois Lane in her line of work to have. Yeah, well, and, and her plot is truth in this, right? Yeah, so. and I had that that inkling was that that Sojourner Truth. I don't know. I'm assuming that someone has found out more research or has. Yeah, we'll look up like BVS references the the contest they did on Vero. I bet we can find it. Yes, in there. yeah, but that is um, if anyone. I'm so glad to hear you say that because if anybody is curious as to like what my perfect aesthetic is, I, I do kind of appreciate how the the apartment seems. It's not clean, or or it's not like um, it's not spotless. You know, it's not everything in its place. Like it feels like a an actual Lois and Clark. Neither well, of them are particularly fastidious people in that right, way. Right, but it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like cluttered or uncomfortably. It feels like of, a, an apartment that two reporters would live in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Books are stacked on the shelf. It's not like, you know, dirty dishes on the table. <laughs> the books are stacked in the shelf, but they are stacked in all manner. Yeah. To just fit in there. It must have been fun to to set up for the set designers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or tedious, I don't know, depending on Oh yeah, I would hope let's hope they're oh who are we kidding? Like they yeah. Everybody that Zack Snyder's crew is, is surrounded by is like living for this. Time. Oh yeah. Also the the honor of putting together Lois Lane and Clark Kent's apartment. It's it's funny too because 
in saying that, like, my mind automatically goes to Lois and Clark, the the new adventures of Superman. Yeah. And perfect evidence for why I love this kind of stuff in movies, but would be completely useless in doing it. What would Lois and Clark's apartment look like? And I would think like, oh, I'll go to the comics, you know? Oh, Metropolis. It's like New York. It would be, you know, like in a high rise apartment and it would be very refined. And then I see this and I'm like, oh, no. Yep. That is it. I'm totally wrong. Yeah. They would live in somewhere that feels it doesn't feel like Clark has left where he came from. That's exactly what I was going to say, actually, because it's also got like the little windmill over on the bookshelf there also. And it feels and the reason that sticks out to me is because there's a cut scene from Justice League. Oh, right. If you didn't know, there are some cutscenes from they that movie. That yeah, out, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there was a picture that that surfaced of um of Lois and Martha, and and my sort of first reaction was, oh, this is Lois and Martha on the Kent farm. Yeah. Until I that too, yeah. Yeah, until until um someone pointed out that it was it was their apartment because it's and you know it should have been more obvious because it's the exact same shot that we're looking at right now. Yeah, but I always that always stuck out to me that we are in an apartment in Metropolis. But my first reaction when I look at it in a picture is this feels like the farmhouse in Smallville that that you can see nothing but warm wood. Yes, which is very uh automatically makes Lois Lane's character more interesting too because we don't really ever get period. We do not get much of uh, like visual looks into where she came from. Yeah. It's funny too cuz like knowing them I assume Lois picked, I assume this was Lois's apartment. Like that's I guess after mm-hmm. the fact when I'm asked like when Clark comes home my initial reading is Clark has moved in. Oh yeah, and the mailbox says Lane. Yeah. Great, look at that. I'm either a genius or I just read what was literally presented to me in the dead center <laughs> of the frame. But yeah, we have an African mask, which is – if you haven't read Superman Birthright and you're interested in reading a comic book that is like a modern origin of Superman, I don't know if there's a better one for me personally. And Clark's trips to Africa and the connection that family crests and colors and clothing and masks play into that is all really rich for making his kind of tribal history – a little richer and a little more um, tangible. So I really appreciate that these things are here. I think that when I see a set like this, I feel like it makes the characters seem... Well, somebody collected all those books, right? Yeah. I see Lois sitting down in their apartment, especially when Clark comes in and I realize, oh, this is like their home together. It makes me fill in all of that after the fact. If we're talking specifically plot stuff, Lois is unpacking with wine, which is a terrific idea. Really, the only moment that stands out, I think, is when she finds her shirt that she wore in Africa that is soaked with the blood. She finally discovers what has to be like the shortest mystery of the movie uh, after seeing her journal be flipped <laughs> amidst yeah. the sand and bullets that, yeah, that the the bullet has – I can just assume everyone listening is now familiar with my level of neuroses here. I love how tempting it is to put the bullet through the middle of the book, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it is – but the way that it is done reads so rich for me that she can open up her book, but she can't see into it yet. Like, yeah. it's it's like a very physical symbol of this thing, which comes from this other story and conspiracy and thing that is going on, punches through and is stuck in there to the point that she can't open up to see what's inside anymore. Like, she cannot yet see the truth of, like you yeah. said, of, of what is going on here. We cut off of it so quickly to her, I think, prying it out with like a safety pin or, or a nail file. Mm-hmm. But I just love that that image of how she is introduced to what ends up being probably like the most important 
physical prop and clue <laughs> to this entire movie. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I, I was sort of gushing last minute about the the structure of the movie so far, and as I do every minute, and how we're now out of that 20-minute prologue, and we had that yeah. brief Batman introduction. In the last minute, they introduced the brand, which is a major subplot for Batman, at least in the Ultimate Edition. Actually, in both these cases, it's kind of fascinating, because yeah. the brand is last minute, the bullet is this minute. Those are two the two subplots that are the most hurt by the theatrical cut, right? Because they cut, for the bullet, they cut the sort of the origin of that, right? And the, the sort of Africa mystery mm-hmm. was, was removed, and then the Star Labs bit with the bullet was also removed. And then the brand, they cut... Oh, the... Basic explanation of it, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. and and so what was remaining was they didn't include the caveat that Lex Luthor was pulling the strings. And so really it looked like Batman was literally just marking people for death as people thought. Or as the theatrical cut says, oh, no, that's not – yes, he's crossed the line, but somebody else is, is pulling strings here too. The Batman we've been introduced to is now being played as part of Lex's – machinations Mm -hmm. and the superman we've been introduced to and this africa plot that we're reminded of with lois is lex manipulating superman the only thing that has gone wrong so far like the only thing that is explicitly tied to lex is this bullet yeah and lois has found it and is not only aware that it is different but we end this minute with her in the tub holding it clearly thinking if there's one lead here that's cutting through all of this stuff Lois has found it, and as a testament to what a good reporter she is, she knows she's found something. Yeah. And I, I guess you can't really appreciate that in the moment, but after the fact, I think it is a really, really cool part of her character, and especially with the idea that she is the key um, to this thing, is everybody is being manipulated by Lex except Lois. And that is very cool. Well, because that's the one part that he couldn't predict, right? Everything was in his control there except for the fact that Lois would take a bullet home yeah. um, with her. Um, and I do appreciate the fact that she pulls it out and she can tell based on an impacted bullet. This is weird. Yeah. So, I mean, so she's seen enough bullets, which, you know, we know is a real thing because she uh, gets writer's black if she's not wearing a flak jacket, right? Yeah. And so she looks at it and she's like, this is not something I have seen before. Yeah. And I think the, the larger explanation as I understand it, of the bullet is probably best left to when she has this discovered by by Batgirl Barbara Gordon <laughs> or Carrie Kelly, either or. Yes. We also, I like the touch, we find out that arguably Lois, like all people who own massive clawfoot tubs, has given up on filling it and has just gotten it uh, as high as is acceptable. As high as necessary for a PG-13 rating. Yes, and uh, and gotten in and is deep in thought. And then the door opens to reveal a man's coat. But I, I think that's as far as we get. I was I was wondering where you were going to cut that off and, and know if you if you teased a mystery man or if, or if we were going to say, well, his face technically makes it in by the minute mark. We know who he is, but I think this is the first time we're seeing Clark. In this movie, yeah. And comparing him to where Man of Steel left... He is, reality has come at him hard. Yeah. I guess it is probably the, like, Man of Steel, it puts into perspective how hopeful that story was. Mm-hmm. Hopeful Man of Steel. <laughs> but um, this is our introduction to Clark, and I remember being a little disappointed that we didn't get more of that, but then also feeling that this version of Clark was very authentic. Like, this is who this guy would become very quickly. And in most of the Superman comics that I read of him as a grown man, I think that's the Clark that we're going to meet for me. Yeah. You can make up the flowers. 
Classic Clark, the perfect gift for when you make an international incident surrounding your uh, girlfriend, your living girlfriend. Just make sure you get a nice spring yeah. arrangement. Well, he's just going to gingerly come in like, hey. <laughs> so I. Uh, so that was crazy, yeah, right? I noticed you landed. These insights and more into the, uh, <laughs> I guess, not married, not even engaged life of Clark and Lois. Yeah, but. I guess we we know that the ring is probably at his mom's house oh. by now, though, right? Or or he has at least made the decision to purchase it. This is any time you talk about this, this is going to be the result. Is I'm going <laughs> to stop dead in my tracks thinking about that because that is going to be the episode of this podcast that will test my emotional fortitude. Thankfully, I have like two years. <laughs> Or no, probably like a year and a half to get ready for it, but that does it for this minute, correct? Lois in the fetal position in the bath. I guess she was curled up on the floor last time we left her. Now she's curled up in the tub. So we got the Bat brand and Batman are introduced. Lois and the bullet are introduced. And now Clark enters the scene and we will soon be finding out about what his subplot uh, is going to be in his dialogue in the next episode. Oh, in a very circuitous way, Lex Luthor, this is like his, this is like Lex's bad ring. <laughs> yeah. That's the coolest Lex we'll ever get. <laughs> The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if I land. Hmm. Two if by air. Mm. I really like their apartment a lot. 